And now, two pigeons bemoaning the fact you can stream DirecTV satellite-free. You see this? A family watching baseball on DirecTV with no satellite dish in sight. Let's heckle them. You call that changing the channel? Choke up on the remote, buddy. I hope getting all these games on DirecTV makes up for your mother not pre-chewing your sunflower seeds. DirecTV has the most MLB games. Visit DirecTV.com. Claim based on total games offered on national and regional sports networks with choice package or higher. Availability of RSNs varies by zip code and package. High-speed internet service required. Terms and restrictions apply. Hey everyone, what's up? Welcome into the Athletic Fantasy Football Podcast. It is Tuesday, April 12th. Michael Beller, Brandon Funston, Jake Seeley here with you. We are two weeks and change away from the NFL draft, and that's what we're going to start talking about here on this episode. <coughs> Excuse me. We're going to keep it rolling all the way through our next few episodes of this show, getting you ready for the draft so you know when you are sitting in front of your TV over that three-day stretch what to be watching for from a fantasy perspective, of course. Athletics got you covered for a real-life NFL perspective across the board. Be sure to check out Dane Brugler's The Beast, which covers every single draft prospect from Aiden Hutchinson all the way through Mr. Irrelevant and, frankly, a lot of guys who aren't even going to get drafted. So be sure to check that out if you want the NFL angle covered. We've got the fantasy football angle covered here on the Athletic Fantasy Football Podcast. Jake Seeley, what's been going on, man? Give me top-level draft thought right now, one sentence. (laughs) Put you on the spot. (laughs) <laughs> uh no i wish the pollen level wasn't 11 how about that from next five i'm so freaking tired over here <laughs> oh my god there's my draft well, thought there you go maybe maybe things will calm down for you i don't know do, do things calm down by no, the end of april no. i wouldn't think so no uh well we actually well two weeks yeah it might be but right now we're in the 11s we're in the 11s in virginia and it's it's ridiculous it's immediately walk outside and get coated Oh, my God. Well, do what you can to stay inside, you know, Barkley things notwithstanding. Funston, Brandon Funston, also here. What's going on, man? Uh, not a whole lot. Love the draft, man. I, I'm, I'm old enough to remember uh, when they used to hold it like midweek, and I used to convince my mom to let me skip school so I could stay home and watch it. So um, I am not really? old enough for that. Yeah, yeah. Was, I, I, I didn't. I, I can't tell you. I'm exactly actually just learning this was a thing right now. <laughs> it was a thing. I remember doing it. I remember the Seahawks drafted Jeff Bryant. I think he's from Clemson. So whatever year that was, I had to stay home from school to watch that happen. So was that wow. back in the days of like 14 rounds and stuff? Yeah, it was at least 10. I think there was there was 10 <laughs> for a while. I want to say I don't know when it dropped to seven, but um, yeah, I'm, I'm they had dating myself a little bit. They, they, <laughs> They had to start it during the middle of the week back then because they had to wait for the telegrams to come through. (laughs) (laughs) Right, right. So everyone knows. Everyone knows who went where. Yeah. Uh, Are we? Are we? Ten years now that it's been this Thursday, Friday, Saturday, this prime time event for the first round. I don't know when it switched. No, not Thursday. I mean, we got to be getting close. It's got to be getting. If we're not at ten years, it's got to be getting close. I don't think Thursdays. I don't think the Thursday is ten years. I know Friday is. It was more than one day, but I don't think the yeah. Thursday is yet. The only re- I, I remember I was I was this is when I lived in Washington D.C. and I was in New York uh, for something, and I remember getting together with a friend the year the Bears drafted Gabe Karimi in the first wow, round. So mm. we're all old. We're all old. <laughs> we're all of us because it's actually we're past ten. Have oh man! Have you guys attended start- a draft? It started. No, no, it started, by the way, it started in 2010 is when it moved to a three-day weekend. So there wow. you go. You actually undersold it. I 
oversold? Or wait, which way did this go? <laughs> Reverse. <laughs> Whichever way. way. We were both off. So there yeah. you go. No, have, have you been Funston? I've been to a couple. I much prefer, honestly, to watch it at home because you miss all the analysis, all the highlights, you know, mm-hmm. all that stuff. And I kind of like to d- dive into all that. So you don't you get the, you know, the cheers and stuff, which is but you can kind of also get that sense watching it on TV. You don't need that. You just go live, print out my article, and there you go. There you go. Yeah. <laughs> one oh, more. No, uh, it, me... Bring the beast because you have to know about the defensive players. That's right. Yeah. There. You, uh, I want one more draft preference thing, draft consumption preference thing before we actually talk about this um, on Twitter or off Twitter during the draft. Oh well, I have to be on Twitter, so that's yeah. My answer is <laughs> I'm, I'm, you know li- me. I'm live updating the article. <laughs> if you don't know me yet, Beller, my answer is generally off Twitter. <laughs> yes. I actually I'm, like to be on Twitter because I like the people that spoil it because I get ahead of my article. <laughs> so, like, what like, if you were thinking like, about it just from a football fan standpoint? Would you run it if you if you didn't have to work around the draft? Would you want to have the pick spoiled or no? Not pick spoiled. No, I'd, I'd still be on Twitter because I want to. You know, just I like to see other people's opinions yeah. and participate <laughs> in the discussion and stuff uh-huh. like that. But yes, if I'm, I don't want it. The same is. And sorry, but there's people with our company who do it. I hate lo- live tweeting of the games and seeing, oh, yeah. this person scored from the three-yard line 15 seconds mm-hmm. before I got to see it on TV. Yeah, I can't do it. I, I, I stay off. The, if I don't have to be on Twitter for work, I am very much off it. Yep. So yeah. I, want it, I, want I can it definitely all, see that. I want it fresh from TV. I, I enjoyed the discussion, but yeah, like I said, I'm, that's me being selfish. Like I, I loved when La, La Conforto was like five picks ahead. I was like, oh, this is helping me so much. Yeah, yeah, that's great for you. Absolutely. Well, you're gonna get a, you're gonna have a lot of to talk about over over those couple of days, a few weeks from now. You're gonna have a lot to write about, and you've already been doing it. So yeah, from a fantasy perspective, Jake's already got a, a really good breakdown of the fantasy relevant players, sort of like the the beast, but for fantasy because you cover guys like. Drake London and Garrett Wilson and Brees Hall, who we know are going to have day one fantasy roles, uh, regardless of where they get drafted and where they end up, all the way down through the guys who, you know, maybe come August we're talking about in best case scenario as like wide receiver fives and sixes. So definitely check out Jake's breakdown of these guys from a fantasy perspective. And we're going to do that right here on this episode of the Athletic Fantasy Football Podcast as well. Looking for an assist with your credit card, but can't get a hold of anyone? Luckily, with 24-7, U.S.-based live customer service from Discover, everyone has the option to talk to a real person anytime, day or night. Yep, you heard that right. You can talk to a real human and customer service at any time. Sounds like a real game changer if you ask us. Make the right call and get the service you deserve with Discover. Limitations apply. See terms at discover.com slash credit card. As you've probably heard by now, we've teamed up with BetMGM this season. We'll be using BetMGM lines to make all of our picks, and we'll have special offers for our listeners each week. If you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC, and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic, plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager with BetMGM. Here's how it works. Download the BetMGM app and sign up using bonus code THEATHLETIC. Make your first deposit of at least $10. Place your first bet on any game and claim your voucher for a one-year subscription to The Athletic. 
See BetMGM.com for terms. U.S. promotional offers not available in D.C., Mississippi, New York, Nevada, Ontario, or Puerto Rico. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Available in the U.S. Call 877-8-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY 467-369 in New York. Call 1-800-NEXT-STEP in Arizona. 1-800-327-5050 in Massachusetts. 1-800-BETS-OFF in Iowa. 1-800-270-7117 for confidential help in Michigan. 1-800-981-0023 in Puerto Rico. First bet offer for new customers only in partnership with Kansas Crossing Casino and Hotel. Don't forget, if you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager. So let's go ahead and jump in here, you guys. Uh, let's just start out at the running back position because uh, that's you know something that's going to be paramount in the fantasy football world. So, Jake, let me ask you to take, take yourself out of the player analysis for a second if you were just talking about almost anyone, like what are the which, which teams are you looking at? Which teams do you have circled as? Oh, if a running back ends up here, he's going to be interesting in the fantasy world. Yeah, I think there's two different. So, well, there's going to be plenty of interesting teams because as mm-hmm. of right now, you could say Arizona. You know, they're going to find potentially there. Maybe they don't go with Eno Benjamin and they find the replacement for Chase Edmonds, or you could say Buffalo. They don't want to use Devin Singletary. But you know, if we're talking pure like, hey. Where can we find somebody who could be a top 15? I won't even say RB1. I'm looking at this year, and I just don't know. Even if we had an Ajay Harris definitively in this draft class, like guaranteed, which there's the discussion if we even have that this year. I just don't know that the, the teams are so set, right? Melvin Gordon's still looking for a job. Yeah. like that's, And he's going to end up somewhere and screw up a backfield. So the sad thing is, is I think there's really only three teams. The glaring obvious one is Houston, but that torpedoes whoever's value it is. So, I mean, that's why I say top 15, because it'll probably be a high-end mid-RB2, whoever mm-hmm. goes to Houston, whether it's a Spiller, Hall, or, you know, Walker. Um, so I would say them. And then I know some people might disagree with me on this one, but I say Atlanta. I, I think that as of the team right now constructed— this is the excitement people had for Mike Davis, myself included, last year. I think they got the use out of Cordero Patterson and pulled off of him late in the year, and they're probably even going to use him a little bit at wide receiver, giving that wide receiver landscape that they have. Because they also need a wide receiver. They also need they need Atlanta needs everything. So the sad thing is, I think the two obvious teams are the two potential worst landing spots for rookie running backs. Yeah, I had. I had a Houston Atlanta written down, and, and you're right. Like, yeah. it's, it's, I mean, those are the most obvious needs, but not great environments. I wrote down New Orleans because yeah. Alvin Kamara could be four to six weeks. I mean, he could have a, a significant amount of time that he's going to have to miss early in the year. So, uh, but Buffalo, I've seen, I've seen them mock. I see Brees Hall in a recent mock uh, to Buffalo in the second round, and that would be interesting. I mean, and. I mean that's a, that's an offense that that is obviously high powered, and they haven't as well as Devin Singletary did down the stretch last year. They have they've been kind of reticent to really like embrace him as their number one guy. So um, he could be interesting. I wonder if Tampa might you know and Leonard Fournette um, you know is the guy yeah. there. So if you go to Tampa, you're probably sitting a little while, and you know. But maybe towards the end of the year, that's something that pays big dividends if they do reach into the running back market. Well, there's a lot of those. Oh, sorry. I was going to say, like, Tampa Bay, you could say Pittsburgh, because who's behind Harris? Those aren't Mm -hmm. options. Mm -hmm. Saquon Barkley, who's behind Saquon Barkley? Uh, Chargers, they've been trying to find somebody behind Eckler for years. You know, Denver, they're probably going to add a pass catcher. We're hoping it's like a fourth, fifth round pass catcher and not second day. Uh, Carolina behind Christian McCaffrey. Uh, I, I mentioned Arizona. So there's a lot of them that we could see 
okay, they're intriguing, but there's mm-hmm. very few opportunities to be like, this is the guy. And then also this is the guy in a beneficial situation. I agree with the fuzz that I, I've been mentioning the saints a lot because Mark Ingram's the next man up and the saints have convinced themselves they're contenders. Yeah. And that's a contender Clearly. move. Yeah. That's that's This is the giants with Gettleman taking Saquon Barkley. Number two, they could, I'm not saying they're going to do it in the first round, but the saints take, if the saints with one of their picks did, and maybe in the first round, they did take a running back. It wouldn't shock me. It would be stupid as hell, but it wouldn't shock me now at this point. <laughs> Well, you look at the you look at the NFC. I mean, the Saints could say, "Yeah, we're the second best team in our division behind Tampa." We, you know, in, in the saying, North, but... Green Bay, <laughs> Green Bay is like the only obvious playoff team in the North right now. Um, you know, mm-hmm. so I, I think there is yeah. there is reason to say we could be a, a sixth or seventh team in the playoffs this year. And you know, so I, I don't fault them for thinking that. I'm not sure. I, I think the sixth and seventh team in the NFC. Could be kind of ugly, <laughs> you know. I mentioned it was uh, it was ugly last yeah, year, exactly. Right. Well, I was gonna say if you, look, I, I agree with you. Like, I think it was it this show or is it my? I don't know. I talked about it with somebody. It was like it's been ugly two years in a row. Yeah. Well, no, I was gonna say I was looking at the FC, like try and project for 2022, and I say you got Green Bay winning, Tampa Bay winning, Rams, Cardinals slash. We're assuming the 49ers are probably in the mix, but then who are mm-hmm. the other two playoff teams? Like, yeah, Eagles? Well, question East, mark. East winner. Vikings? East winner. Cowboys? Yeah. Well. I was saying after I, for, yeah, I left out the Cowboys, yeah. so I was going to say they win yeah. the division, but that's what uh-huh. I'm saying. It's like, I'm with Funston. It's like, I, I yeah, guess you Vikings, could argue you're in I guess you contention. Would, yeah. You would say the Vikings are. But they're they're yeah. kind of in the Saints Western conversation. Mark? They're kind of right yeah. there. As right. Like, yeah. <laughs> right. Yeah. Right. Uh, yeah. Well, let's, so Jake broke down all the, the prospects by uh, tier. So you, in the tier one at the running back position, you've got Brees Hall and Isaiah Spiller. So let, let's get into these guys. What, what and makes I'm Bre- stupid. Because Kenneth No, Walker's no, no. You're, you're, you're very smart. You're very smart. What makes these guys tier one? And, and yeah, I guess, so why is Kenneth Walker, who had a very nice final season at Michigan State, not here? So the quick version of that is, so there's two parts of it. Is I said that Kenneth Walker could end up in tier one, but if I'm talking about prospects as pure fantasy upside, what we want here, Kenneth Walker, kind of like the Josh Jacobs, and the fact that, you know what, volume on the carry side, but I really don't know how much you're going to be used in the passing game. And if you watch some of his film, yeah, as a first and second down runner, Kenneth Walker is really good, makes some really good moves. At the same time, there's times where I, he kind of his legs kind of get heavy to me, and we've seen poor play in the passing game. And that, granted, it's not a huge sample because Michigan State didn't use him a ton, but we've seen where he's turned around and like turned himself around because he's been in a bad position to catch the ball or just been a bad receiver before. So when I look at Spiller and Hall, I compared Brees Hall to peak Devonta Freeman and I compared Spiller to Joe Mixon. So that should give you an idea of why. So it's a very slim margin. And if Kenneth Walker goes to a team and is a first, second down guy and only catches 20 balls, but he's still getting 300 touches over the season because of all the carries, he could have better fantasy value than Spiller Hall, and Spiller Hall could end up on team splitting a backfield. But this is pre-draft. That's why I do it after the draft. So it's a very slim margin, but I just think that Hall and Spiller have that potential three-down upside from what we've seen. Walker could. He could surprise. I'm not saying it's a given. He's just not there yet for me. 
So Jake's watched and dialed more into the prospects so far than I have. What I've, what I've seen so far is, to me, Brees Hall is in a class by himself. To me, I think he's a true three-down back. And, and watching him sort of reminds me of Melvin Gordon. I had to go look at their size and, and combine comps because they, they run similarly. Like Gordon's got that gliding style, and Brees Hall has the same deal. And, and they're basically the same size other than Brees Hall's an, an inch smaller. But Brees Hall ran like, you know, 439, and, and Melvin Gordon ran a 4.5. Brees Hall is actually a little bit better athlete 40 inch vertical leap compared to melvin gordon 35 so but i see a lot of melvin gordon style to him and and he can catch the ball very well isaiah spiller can catch the ball very well i didn't like spiller to me he doesn't he doesn't put his foot in the ground and and make hard cuts he's kind of a a, he kind of pedals his feet a little bit when he makes his moves a little bit of a body turner instead of a hard just plant your foot stick and go kind of a guy but um yeah, to Jake's point about Kenneth Walker, I agree. I think it's – I would probably take Walker as a runner over Spiller, but when you combine yes. the fact that Spiller can can actually catch the ball, uh, I think you have to give the nod to Spiller ahead of him. So most years, Funston ends up endi- editing my rookie column, and he didn't because he was on vacation this year. <laughs> and I, I chuckled uh, because when he said that is my first – so I do po- – for everybody who hasn't seen it, it's positive, negatives, and then overall – uh, my first part of the negative on Spiller is indecisive with too much hesitation. Like, yeah. Which is exactly yeah, what you're of, saying. Tippy-toeing, kind of like, you know, pitter-pattering yes. his feet. Tippy-toe, tippy-toe. <laughs> and, and, and can I clarify one? I, I, do, I did this on my other podcast. I'm doing it here again. I want to clarify one thing because I think people, when they hear prospects in the NFL and stuff like that, so I said about Kenneth Walker, I don't love his breakaway speed. And people came for me like crazy. Like, he ran a four three nine. blah, 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 blah. Like, okay, here's the thing. Breakaway speed and speed are two different things. Walker has speed. Walker had several 40-yard runs. Walker got into space and maintained that space. If you if you run just as fast as the other person and you maintain that, that's speed. Every, he has speed. Breakaway is when you watch somebody like Spiller or even James Cook and you watch and that gap widens. That's the difference. That's break away, breaking away from play breakaway speed. <laughs> so I'm just saying that, like, I know I'm sounding very, like, condescending while I'm saying this, but I just want to clarify because people came at me. It was like, oh, Kenneth Walker can't run 40-yard plays that he must not break. No, there's a difference between having the speed, which he has, and breaking away from somebody, which is a completely different type of speed. Well, And, yes. just- and what you need to get those runs, right? Because typically right. you've got a you've got a third-level DB who's got an angle to catch you if you're not breaking and away And that's from what him. I'm concerned about with Walker. I th- I'm concerned that when he gets to the NFL, he starts to get tracked down more. But mm-hmm. I mean, if you're a running back who's getting to the point where you're getting tracked down, that's a that's a first world problem. I, I think breakaway speed. Yeah, sure, breakaway yeah, speed right. is overrated for running backs because it's just very little time that you're not running in within a ten yard window. You know, like most of most course. all your plays are that way. And so if you have really good vision, you can break some tackles in, initially. Then the breakaway speed is just the gravy at the end. Yeah, and if Kenneth Walker ends up being the RB fifteen year after year after year after year, that's a success. Yeah. We're happy. Yes. That's that's yes. great. Yeah. Beyond these three guys, Jake, who are you most interested to see where he lands at the running back position? Uh, I, you know what? Uh, there's a lot of people on Kyron Williams. I'm, I, I'm both ways. I think he could be very boomer bust. We've seen this before from Notre Dame players. Not running back specifically, a lot comes from their offense. And while their offensive line wasn't great last year, it was still quality in the running back side of things, run blocking. 
Uh, Zamir White is a big one from Georgia. James Cook, actually both the Georgia guys, obviously, mm-hmm. but James Cook, pass catcher. So I'm going to say the only other person that's in tier two for me that I'm very intrigued by is Algier of BYU. I, I think that if you look at him, similar, actually, you know, similar to Spiller. He doesn't burst through the line. He kind of waits a little bit too long at times. But uh, I, I was talking about this with uh, Jeff Ratcliffe, and you know, with more explosiveness and more decisiveness in that area, I think he could be one of the best running backs. And what Jeff and I were agreeing on, I see, I want to get your guys' opinion, is I'd rather have to teach a running back to be more aggressive than to be Trent Richardson and be overly aggressive and running into line, like the back of your offensive lineman and, and over pushing holes. And not have, like, I'd rather have to teach you, hey be more aggressive than to teach patience because it's hard to teach patience. If that running back doesn't have that mentality, you know, it's hard to say, let the lanes develop. So for Algier, I think that if he gets with the right team and the right coach, I mean, hell, I'm not putting him in San Francisco because please stop screwing around with running backs like that. But <laughs> a coach like Shanahan, I think Algier could be an RB1. I will throw out a guy that I know from the Pac-12, Rashad White, um, who is a – Sort of, I think he's a converted wide receiver to running back, but he's six, he's six foot, like two fifteen. So he's got NFL like three down sides. And to Jake's point, like one of the knocks on him is he's not confident enough between the tackles, but he's got the size, um, and he can catch the ball. He can run. <laughs> Why are you laughing at me, Jake? Oh no, wait! I'm laughing because oh, I, I was trying to hold out my laugh. <laughs> I'm laughing because you want to know the two players I likened him to? It's the two Funston premier running backs, Drake and Edmonds. It's the guys that Funston loves. <laughs> but he's I think he's big he's bigger than Chase Edmonds, but uh, No, he is, but the stylistically. Yeah. I like and I'm just laughing because it's so funny that that's the guy you picked because those are the two names I likened him to and it's just Maybe like Maybe he can go they, be the next like, guy in Arizona. Yeah, Funston has his guy. You have your type of running back that you really <laughs> like. Hey, we all have types, you know. Yeah. <laughs> Up marrying him, but that's you know that's the way it goes. <laughs> Watch out for Rashad White. That's all I'm gonna say. And he, and the converted running back thing. It's kind of like the modern day deal, you know. Yeah. You want to have you want to have that Debo ish guy that can you know run and catch. So, um, or Cordero Patterson. He's not quite the, that sure. size, but I, I think that's gonna that's going to get him a job in the NFL pretty quickly, catching <laughs> passes out of the backfield. To answer your question, Jake, I agree with you on the aggressiveness, that you'd rather teach a guy to be aggressive rather than teach a guy to be a little bit more passive. It's just, a, it's an easier transition. I feel like that's, that, that's like, that that's true across sports. Like, it's easier, yeah. to, it's way easier to teach, like, a guy, uh, a baseball player to be more aggressive on pitches in the zone than it is to get someone who's over-aggressive to lay off pitches out of the zone. That, like, that's yeah. just a, that's a mental thing. That, that I, I feel just, is a I, lot I'm easier. not, you know, I don't want to, like, talk Seahawks all the time, but that was Chris Carson. Chris Carson was for as Adonis as he was built at Oklahoma State. He did not run aggressive, and that's why he dropped to the seventh round. And they taught him to be aggressive, and now he's like he's got that, you know. So um, that can make a huge difference. It's only a kick, a jump, a block. It's only a serve. It's only a tackle, a run. It's only for the fans. After all, it's only pressure. You got this. Adidas. Okay. 
When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Let's go over to wide receivers, guys, because, uh, you know, from in the NFL, this is in the, in the draft itself. This is going to be a little bit more exciting to watch. I mean, there might not be a running back drafted in the first round and wide receiver. That's going to be very different. Jake, inside tier one, you've got Drake London, Garrett Wilson, Chris Olave and Jamison Williams. There could certainly be some that, that's not necessarily going to be, you know, the top four it might not be the right. four in that order. It could be some, right. s- some moves there. So, um, I, I mean, just like super exciting, this group of players and we can reach down to tier two also and include that but I guess you know if you look at the the betting market you do see London and Wilson separating themselves from the rest of the pack in terms of being the first receiver selected so why do you have London over Wilson (laughs) because he's a freak uh this is like people forgot about Drake London because he got hurt but uh, people also missed the fact he was averaging over 100 yards per game and almost a touchdown per game before he got hurt. Everybody out there, if you ask the common man, this is this is, this is not meant to be condescending, but name the USC quarterback. And people will be like, uh. <laughs> and name what was good with USC last year. Uh. Like this, Drake London Uniforms. is. <laughs> their uniforms are always. <laughs> always the good. The thing <laughs> is, he just dominates on every single level of field. Like my negatives for him was blocking which, again, like if I'm going to be that, cause, but you just see him when it's run plays or stuff like that. Sometimes the defender, get, like he doesn't even chip him very well. Um, and he doesn't have elite speed. That's it. That's the end of the story with Drake Linden. That The end of it. That's what it is. So I'm looking at, and this is the comparison I drew him to, is because a lot of people out there are saying, oh, he doesn't separate. And you know what? That's... I think that's more subjective than objective because a lot of people see separation and it comes down to like, you know, you see PFF gives grades. I'm not coming for PFF, but just like, what's my version of separated versus Funston's version of separated? Like, do I see separated as the fact that it's one yard of separation, but the defender's looking the wrong way? Because that's separation to me. Like, so what is your version of separation? So I just look at the fact of, you know, who isn't an amazing separator, but an amazing wide receiver, Mike Evans. And I drew a comparison to Mike Evans. So that should give you a really simplistic version of you potentially have Mike Evans in this draft class. I think Drake London is the, if I had to rank my 101 of wide receivers. Well, and, and separation for a guy like Drake London isn't always necessary. If he has, if he has position on the corner and the corner's on him, like he has that basketball yes. skill where all the quarterback has to do is kind of put it, you know, on his shoulder and he's going to pull the ball in. You can see the basketball skills. So, um, I like Drake London. I've watched a bit of him as well. I would say that. Honestly, just to bring Jamison Williams into the discussion, if he doesn't have the ACL, mm-hmm. to me, he's the best guy because he has the best combination of speed, yards after the catch. I think he was fourth in the nation in yards after the catch. Um, 
I think he would, and he's just like, from all accounts, is just an absolute gamer, you know, guy that wanted to be on punt returns that wanted to, you know. So I think he would have been number one, and he was set to be number one. And then he had the ACL injury. Mm-hmm. Uh, I, you know, Garrett Wilson is a different different guy. He's a, he's a route runner extraordinaire. When you watch him, like, it's hard to judge him sometimes because he's always open. Like, talk about getting separation. Like, you know, he just never felt like he had to be contested a whole lot. One thing I'll say about Garrett Wilson, every time he caught the ball, as soon as he's touched, he's tackled. You know, he wasn't great at yards after the catch, but he's, you know, he's going to move chains in the NFL for sure. Yeah, I do think Williams is better than Devonta Smith for people that want to draw those comparisons, but I do think you have some, not as much as Smith, but my concern uh, just for why he's not, and again, look, you know, we're talking about, this is tier one, so we're nitpicking here, sure. but where I'll come differently for Williams is, especially once you get to the NFL, if I'm already seeing you get bumped off your routes, and that's like, and my biggest concern for everybody out there to understand, like bumped off your routes, like some people, when you hear that, only think short to intermediate route, but even if Williams is running a nine, if he's going deep, you get pushed even a little bit and you have to all of a sudden start running wide. And then you see in the NFL where all of a sudden they're running on the sideline and the ball is one foot out of bounds because they didn't properly position themselves. Well, with Williams, it's kind of, he knows how to position himself, but the stronger corners. And if you have a four, three corner in the NFL with some heft to him, which we have that step up, I'm just, that's my only concern. I agree with Funston. I, and I even mentioned that fact that I think he's better than Devonte Smith for as, as excited as people were for Smith. I think he's better than him. Chris Olave, obviously, right there with Garrett Wilson, great careers in Columbus. I mean, Chris Olave, Olave comes out, yeah, I mean, then comes out and opens some eyes with that forty-yard dash at the combine. Better, improvement, neutral. Obviously, it's not going to make you think less of him. Did it do anything for for you, Jake, in terms of evaluating his NFL prospects? No, and my biggest thing with Olave is I think what I said before the season even started is he got pushed down because of fatigue, watching fatigue. We knew Olave. We didn't know that London was going to be this good. We didn't know Garrett Wilson was going to take the step up and be equal to Alave. We didn't know Jamison Williams was going to be that amazing. Like yeah. that's and it's just that's all it was. It's kind of like almost we went into the college football season like, all right, yeah, we know Alave is going to be a top five wide receiver. He could, he could have come so out let's pay attention to everybody year. else. That well, yeah. that's the question. Should he have? Because I don't think he improved his stock any because of those other no. guys ascending. He probably would have went yeah. just as high. It might have been a late first, early probably second been the round same, right? I mean, last year, yeah, because we were talking about him. We were talking about him last year after like. Chase, right, and Waddle. Mm-hmm. After Chase and Waddle, but in the conversation like, with Smith, could have been the third yeah. Yeah. off the board. And that's the thing, uh, too. Don't forget last year's draft. It might be – I mean, we go back to the Raiders, too, with Ruggs. It might just be whoever's the first person to take a wide receiver. And the first wide receiver could be Williams. Mm-hmm. Let's be real. Like, you just – it depends on who makes that first because some of these – I think London is the one that it doesn't matter the team. He Like, in my opinion, he should be the first one. But you talk Wilson, Alave, Williams, you're going to have a little bit different of fits for some of these. Mm-hmm. Well, that takes me right to where I want to go, which is I mean, team context. Where if you if you do have, where do you want? If you're a wide receiver, if you're one of these guys, where do you want to get drafted? Yeah, well, this is mm. different than the running back situation. Where do you want to get drafted, or where do we we want them to get drafted? <laughs> I, where do where do we want them to get? drafted? This is different than okay. the running back situation because there's a lot of really ripe situations where there is a need for a receiver. Uh, Green Bay. Kansas City, Cleveland yes. with Deshaun Watson, yes. Um, yes. Dallas losing <laughs> Amari Cooper. Uh, and then, you know, probably Mac Jones gets one of his former Alabama receivers there. I mean, that's maybe not, but there's, you know, at least the chemistry there. So uh, Detroit could go after one and they're going to throw as much as anybody in the league, probably. So 
I think there's a lot of good potential landing spots for a top receiver. Anybody else jump out? Yeah, I think. No, I had others list. I mean, Green Bay and Kansas City are the obvious ones, mm-hmm. and there's no mm-hmm. question about that. Like, we've already had conversations in past years for fantasy purposes, too. Is it with Juju Smith Schuster, can he be a number one, or does he need to be a 1B to a 1A or a true number two? Green Bay, obvious hole, especially with no Devontae Adams. But, you know, you could talk Arizona across from Hopkins. Is Rondell Moore ready to step up, or do they draft somebody to be a two? Atlanta. They need a number one, a number two, and like let's be really think <laughs> about what they have right now. Right. Kyle Pitts is their number one right now, but it's not as appealing as if you have somebody go to Kansas City. But Chicago, Darnell Mooney's their number one right now. You mentioned Cleveland, Houston is Brandon Cooks, and Indianapolis is Michael Pittman, and you know let's Paris Campbell's not really been able to stay healthy. The Saints, Michael Thomas, and so you know you could say. I say the other ones that might surprise people because of their current situation. Like, I could see Philly. Obviously, they have a complete bust of a pick with Jalen Rager, but Devontae Smith needs somebody across from him. Pittsburgh, if they think that Claypool is definitively only the number three. And then Curtis Samuel's health for Washington. Like, is, he, is, this, a, is this immediately – is this a signing bust and he's done? And do they mm-hmm. find somebody with Terry McLaurin? You know what? As crazy as that might sound, I think McLaurin – could be better if they even brought in somebody like London. Or uh, we haven't even mentioned Traylon Burks, who people are probably yep. like, "How's he not a zero one?" We'll get to him in a second, <laughs> obviously. But I think if Terry McLaurin was the two one B to a one A, like that kind of, I think McLaurin could even have a better season. I think him being the one is just so much coverage on him. Well, let, let's like take that then one step f- further and say, like, would you in a in a world where? I don't know where Drake London goes to Atlanta or Drake London goes to the Jets and someone in tier two, I don't know, yeah, how, about, how about Traylon Burks or Jahan Dotson ends up in Green Bay or in Kansas City? Like, does that context vault them ahead of someone like Drake London in the fantasy world? I think you'd have to flip it. Atlanta would be interesting, though, because Atlanta is not just, you know, it, you're, you are the number one. Like, Washington, you're probably the number two, even though we just talked about it. Like, it, outside of Atlanta... Chicago, maybe you could get past Darnell Mooney, or and Darnell Jets. Mooney stays as a number two. I don't know. You're, Elijah Moore is. I know. You're, you're, yeah, you're, that's what and Corey well, Davis I, is I coming back. Is, Everybody's just written off Corey Davis like he died last like year. Like if George, <laughs> like if George Pickens goes to Green Bay and Drake oh London goes to like the oh my the Jets or the Bears. No. You got to pick somebody besides Pickens because Pickens is my favorite undervalued wide receiver. Okay, but let's just so, pick him. How about Jahan I mean, Dotson? Like, no, no, Jahan let's say, if you, I was going to say David Bell okay. goes to, because I have more concerns about uh-huh. David Bell. David Bell goes to Green Bay, and then what was the next part of it? Because I wanted you to get off Pickens. Well, okay, well, then Drake <laughs> London goes to like a team where you're not like not a great quarterback as probably the number two. Um, was that Washington. Chicago or the Jets Washington? or the Washington? Yeah. The, Bears have to, the Bears will have to trade up to get yeah. – like one yeah. of any of those top receivers i can see that in that case i can see them being very close in value yeah whereas right now there's a gap and now like now they're almost like equitable because you have volume versus opportunity versus production of the offense all right jake let's hear it why is george pickens your favorite undervalued guy <laughs> because i think part of it is similar to drake london the injury situation if it wasn't for the injury i think a lot of people would be talking about him a lot more he is coming off of acl tear so but you want to talk about the first one, hands are great, and this dude shakes people like, I mean, like trying to like r- ride like one of those amusement park things and just like, you know, like one of these things, <laughs> and like, oh, like mechanical bull, really. Yeah, I was about to say the same thing. Like, you're not sticking with him, and you want to talk about like separation. If you want to see somebody you just watch film and you're like, oh my God, he's always open, 
like is George Pickens, but he's also got the skill, like the athleticism of a wide receiver for that. So I'll say strength, maybe he can't win as many 50 50 body balls like a London or even like a Kenny Galladay for some people might think of like that or a Des Bryant to go back to those kind of guys. Um, but my main concerns is that's very minimal. Is he a hundred percent off the AC aerial tear? Then the only concerns I have is winning contested balls, maybe going to be something he needs to work on and then clean up the routes. He's definitely not a precise route runner right now, but if those are my complaints, that tells you why he has such a high ceiling. Anyone else here in this second tier of guys, Funston, uh, that's jumping out of you? I mean, like we should, I guess we should talk about Traylon Burks and why and just where we think things are going to end up for him on draft day or on draft days, depending on uh, how long he has to stick around here. Yeah, I mean, some people think I, there's a there's a wide disparity, it seems like, with Traylon Burks. And I, I actually have not done a ton of research on him. I know he's kind of a a bit of a, a you know, a jack of all trades and that you can, you know, you can try him inside, you can try him outside. He brings a, a little bit of everything to the table, um, whether he's, an, mm-hmm. you know, whether he's a stud at any one thing. We saw that he, you know, disappointed with his 40. I think he ran in the four fives, um, which, you know, was a little bit of a disappointment. Um, but, you know, I, I, I think I would have to defer to Jake on whether he thinks he's going to be an instant impact kind of guy. I think he can on the right team, and this is so. I brought up Mike Williams, the Chargers. Mm-hmm. You put Mike Williams on half the other teams in the NFL, and he's just not as good. It's just be Mike Williams is good at being Mike Williams. Traylon Burks is good at being Traylon Burks. He catches everything, like the definition of stick'em hands. Like the the problem is, is you were talking about down. He's if you say like Drake London, like it'll just separate. No, Traylon Burks doesn't separate. That's the definition of not separate. Go watch Traylon Burks and watch corners attached to his hip. <laughs> I mean, like Velcroed to his hip and What's not like, getting rid- like a, off the top of your head NFL comp. Like, are we talking? Are we talking? No, like Kenny Mike Williams. Galladay? No, I was, oh, Mike, I, Williams, Mike Williams. Uh, Kenny Galladay is good too. I guess like Kenny Galladay is that's another good one, and that and that can work. But you can see the downside, and that's why I said with mm-hmm. the right team, Traylon Burks is a wide receiver too. With the wrong team, he's a wide receiver four. It's just a very yeah. big disparity. I mean, is, this like, is it like Galladay Stafford versus Galladay Danny Jones? Danny Jones? I mean, honestly, I could definitely see that. And that's why he's on tier two, because if you have that wide of a range of outcomes and you're that dependent on your skill and your fit, I don't put you on tier one. Like tier one, you need to be able to play on almost every single team out there. And that's that's why I don't dislike Burks. I just don't think he deserves to be up there. You know, it's the same thing. Like Pickens is here because he has some concerns with injuries. John Dotson. He's another one. He's a fit because he's a smaller guy. Tons of bursts. Christian Watson, small school, athletic, slow out of his break, similar to Burks. David Bell, similar situation. Um, the one that in this entire group, uh, since and then the others for everybody out there is Ross Mechie and Sky Moore. Everybody loves some Sky Moore. Yeah. I am super. Oh, man. Let's go back two years and remember that. Remember when people were like Justin Ross, first rounder? Remember it was yes. Tre- Trevor Lawrence and Justin Ross are going to go yes. in the first round, <laughs> like back to back, and somebody's going to team them up. And then yeah. Ross had the injury. Right. Actually, two. He's got neck surgery. Get yeah. them all. You want just a prospect. I, I hope he's 100% just for the excitement of what Justin Ross could be. Yeah, that's, uh, I mean, that's, that's going to be. I don't know, that that bottom that whole bottom half of that tier is going to be like to me is all it's all very intriguing really just like so those bottom four you had in tier two David Bell Justin Ross John Mechie and Sky Moore like that's going to be those are going to be the guy like the fantasy community is going to get excited about it like at least two of those dudes two of those guys are going to end like we they're good prospects two of them are going to end up in great spots and we're going to be talking about them like the way we talked about Rondale Moore uh, post draft last right. year right right. 
Uh, tier three, Jalen Jalen Tolbert, Wandale Robinson, Alec Pierce, Khalil Shakir, Calvin Austin, Makai Polk. Anyone who you're super interested in there, Jake? Shakir. Uh, I said that he, if you're looking, because everybody's looking for the new Debo. And I was like, if you're looking for the, like, that's the easy thing to turn around and get clicks to just throw it. Ah, the, this year's Debo <laughs> Samuel, blah, blah, blah. Like, I actually do think, but I even said, you know, even Robert Woods, like 300 rushing yards, 200 rushing yards, just some of those opportunities. He had some of those runs at Boise State. I actually tweeted out some of it. One was actually not even a run. It was just his elusiveness after the catch where he had like some running back moves on the one play to score a touchdown. But then he took some runs out of the backfield. And it's not like he's bouncing around like he's Saquon Barkley or something, but it's that usage that's back there, like a Samuel Woods, Tyreek Hill, that type of thing. So I'm super excited to see where he goes. I also, this is just completely nothing to do with football. I have a soft spot for him now because I was at the combine and the combine was really kind of a mess this year because the timing of things and you saw the running backs didn't even do some of their drills because they're like, Mm -hmm. screw it. We're not doing them at nine o'clock at night. Well, they screwed up timings and the wide receivers and the wide receivers came out at the same time that everybody broke for lunch or right before everybody broke for lunch and Shakir didn't come out. And they brought out Shakir at 1230 while there's nobody in the room. I'm standing there talking (laughs) to Jamie Eisenberg and I'm like, dude, they just brought some wide receiver out. I was like, what the hell is going on? He's like, I don't know. So I like looked over and it was Shakir and he's sitting at this podium with nobody <laughs> talking to him because there's nobody left in the room. And then finally somebody saw him and went, I almost went over just to talk to him. So now I have a soft spot for Shakir as well. Well, you had me at Debo. So I mean, I'm, I'm in on this guy. <laughs> <laughs> uh, really quick let's wrap up the episode with just a, a, a abbreviated somewhat abbreviated look at the uh, wide receiver or excuse me the tight end and quarterback positions uh, Malik Willis uh, uh, you know hopefully uh, looking like a guy who could maybe make something of an impact in his rookie season if you are maybe. looking at Malik Willis straight from a fantasy perspective 2022 right away rookie year where do we want to see him go hmm so he has to start right away, which I'd be a little bit concerned about. Uh, it doesn't have to. It doesn't have to be right he away. Can start, he can like start a, like Carolina a, like right a, away. Yeah, like a Justin Fields no. situation where you know say, took him. I was going to give Fonston a layup here. Starter. I don't want to talk about the Seahawks, but <laughs> yeah, so he can start for the Seahawks. God knows that for sure. I, I don't think he, honestly. I mean, the Seahawks are nine. I've seen him mocked uh, to the Seahawks. I don't think he gets. Someone's going to move up to two or three. Oh, I'm 100%. There's no way. I mean, it's just too much buzz, and we see it happen every year. Honestly, the Lions should just take him at two. You you know what? Jared Goff's not their future. He's fine to be their bridge, but I think Malik Willis give him some time to kind of like slow play him, like maybe even like Jalen Hurts with Carson Wentz, you know? Like that's kind of what we see him as as a fantasy quarterback, right? I mean, it's going to be a work in progress throwing the ball, but we know that the running will play right away, and that'll make him valuable out of the gate, out of the jump as soon as he's given time. Yeah, I think that, you know, if you look at Detroit, Pittsburgh, Atlanta, you probably sit a little bit, and that's what you want. I mean, like, I love Willis more than most anybody. I don't know. I haven't found, like, I know people love him as much as I do, but I don't know if anybody I've found that loves him more, and this is coming from somebody that really loves him. I want him to, I want him to have, and I drew comparisons to Patrick Mahomes several ways. One of them was, I want him to sit as much as possible for that first year and let him, I mean, the questions about Willis are in that fashion of his decision making. He's made some stupid ass play. He had a three interception game that he still won at Liberty that's just dumb 
plays. And I, I put in the quotes, he plays too much hero ball. He tries to do too much. But then you see the bowl game and you see some of the throws that he's making while dropping back off of his back foot, throwing it 40 yards. I could step into a throw and I can't throw it 40 yards downfield on the line. <laughs> and he's doing this off the side. And that's why I said he's, he's making Patrick Mahomes type plays. And that's the upside. Mm-hmm. Could he bust? Could he be out of the league in three, four years as a backup at best? Sure. But that's why. So I think there are opportunities where he could win the job by day one. But I think ideally we'd want to see him sit. And I'm, I'm with Funston. Is I don't know if the Lions do it. I wouldn't fault them for it. I think if you want to be the future of the org or, you know, turn this team around, that's the potential to do it. I don't think he gets past five because if the first four picks go Funston and somebody doesn't trade in there and the Lions don't take him, I think the Giants are sitting on that spot just that's they're in the golden opportunity if that happens. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. He's a top five pick for sure. I don't know what the over under is. I don't know what the over under is, but I'm going to be very curious. Oh, it's still plus money for top five quarterback. Yeah. You don't even have to take Willis. Just top five that, a quarterback. Will there goes. be a quarterback? That's, it's yeah. a guarantee. Take the plus money and run for sure. I'm going to, I actually want to see if there's anything like finer on that. But uh, so I'm going to look for that while I look for that. Uh, Jake, is there any, like, any other quarterbacks who you're interested in seeing where they land from a 2022 perspective? 2022 Ritter yeah. for the rush because he's got the Russian upside. Uh, mm-hmm. I think Sam Howell. I kept saying this. I think he's very much. I, I joked and kept saying the the Steelers should just take their new Ben Roethlisberger because that's who <laughs> he is. I mean, he's got some rushing upside, but he's like very similarly built. I actually compared him a little bit to Tyler Haneke, though. I think that's and so you gotta get a side from that. Car- Matt C- uh, Coral or Carroll or whatever. Corral. Was, Corral. Corral. Yeah. Corral. Like I always. I don't know why I see his name and I always want to mess it up. Instinctively, <laughs> he's Mac Clearly. Jones. So for fantasy purposes, that gives you an idea. Pick it. Eh, I just don't see it. Like I said, maybe I'm wrong, and maybe he turns into Justin Herbert, and maybe he's just that good of a. Passer. I can't get over a hand but, size. I, honestly, it's like it's it's really there. It's not even that for me. It's an indictment, it's though. Like the the guys with the biggest no, no, no. hands. Here's the indictment: Aaron Rodgers, not, not Russell Wilson. Like like to go through it. I mean, it's a thing. I, I don't think you can ignore it. Here's what I can't ignore. I want to do a list of all the quarterbacks that made it in the NFL as a fifth-year breakout <laughs> in college. That's my damning evidence. Yeah. Like, And it's not just, oh, he went from 3,000 to 4,000 yards. No, he doubled his passing production and then quadrupled his touchdowns, basically. Like, there's at least three times. Like. When was the last time that this is ever and, and people are going to be like, oh, Joe Burrow was like, yeah, but Joe Burrow wasn't a, like starting Wait, as what many was years Russell? as Pickett was. Russell was uh, what was he? Was he five Russell years? Had production before he transferred. He did. It yeah, wasn't like he, he was. He had the uh, yeah three years at NC State and then one at Wisconsin. Okay, and he was productive though. Go look, like oh yeah, Pickett yeah, yeah. is thirteen touchdowns <laughs> and yeah. forty. Yeah, like just so yeah. you know, I'd say for year one it's Ritter. I think Ritter definitely. You don't want to talk about Russell Wilson. I think he's got. I said this in the column. Call me crazy. I think he has Russell Wilson upside. Again, upside for like these. Are, everybody wants comps, and then when you make a comp, they're like, "You're insane to think you could be that." Good. I'm not saying he's that good. I'm just saying. Yeah, right. right. That's right. that's best case scenario when we make uh-huh. these comparisons. Yeah, it's funny. Yeah. I was looking at. I was looking at a PFF. Uh, you know, draft overview of a player. And he, I forget who it was, but it was like a top three or four wide receiver in the draft. And they made the Chris Conley comparison. And I'm like, God, this guy's <laughs> going to be a top four <laughs> receiver. And, you, and, and, and I got to get excited about Chris Conley being your upside. <laughs> like, come on, <laughs> give me something a little better than that. 
<laughs> so, so there is a there is a little more for uh, Malik Willis success. So Jake's right on the on the quarterback spot, and then for Malik Willis, top five pick, it's plus two fifty right now. That's a, hmm. just yeah, that slam dunk. That there's I just I don't see you getting past five because mm-hmm. and maybe you don't get anything out of Carolina, but a third rounder. But even Carolina just moving up one, which we've seen yeah. before to, to prevent stop somebody some- somebody from jumping them. Yeah, I've seen teams do it for Mitch Trubisky. <laughs> I, did, I, I didn't want to mention that. I was I've trying seen to be nice. A team, a team. <laughs> That's why I said I've seen teams. I was trying to be no, nice to you, Ballard. There are teams that were fighting. Don't you remember that, Funston? Everyone was oh. clamoring. No one wanted Mahomes. Or Deshaun. They were Watson. clamoring all the. Tra- yeah, they were clamoring to trade. Oh, up did you see that news team. yesterday? The Commanders were betting against themselves to get wins. <laughs> like nobody else was in the mix at all. Oh, my God. Really? I did not see that. Well, which is kind of true because no one wants Baker Mayfield or Jimmy Garoppolo, which is kind of with the Wentz territory. Yeah. They're like the fantasy baseball manager who like goes to check all the fab bids on Sunday night and sees that their like one hundred one dollar bid was the only one for a play. <laughs> it's just like nobody else. Been there, been there, done that. <laughs> We've all been there at some point. Yeah, There's no question. for sure. Has anybody fallen off more than Baker Mayfield? No. Oof. To like. No. His contract's no. not that prohibitive. Yeah. I know, but it's well, he's not like I think he's a tweener. He's like the quad A player now. Like he's a uh, little bit better than, than a backup. Yeah. And he's Seven not quite ago, good Andy enough Dalton. to be like your your franchise. So he's a quad A he's a quad A quarterback. It's, uh, poor Baker. Totally brutal. At least he's, he's got all that progressive doing, money. <laughs> he's gonna be doing the general commercials instead of progressive next year. <laughs> Uh, really quick as we wrap things up here, uh, what just Jake, give us uh, give us your quick overview of the tight end position in the draft. Don't expect one to do anything in 2022. There <laughs> There's the quick overview. I have two in my tier one. McBride seems to be the consensus number one. I compared him to Hunter Henry and Tyler Higby, so I think that gives you an idea. But expecting him to be much, uh, I would say maybe Fryermuth, which at that point you're not you're talking mid right. hundreds of yards and a few right. touchdowns. Mm-hmm. I had Kate Otten even before yesterday's news broke and yesterday's news that he's back to 100%, and a lot of people are coming around. I compared him to Zach Ertz. Then that after that. The tier two, like likely, I said Gerald Everett, uh, Rucker, Cole Komet, uh, Wittemeyer. Everybody, I, he's going to. I, I, he is the litmus test for. Do you watch the games, or do you believe that the guy can't run a five forty, and he's toast? Like there's, there's now conversation whether or not he even gets drafted. And this was somebody at the end of the football season that was potentially the number one tight end off the board. I know Kate Otten. He's University of Washington. He's a good player. Uh, he'll be in the league for a long time. He may not be a star, but mm-hmm. he'll just be a solid NFL player. He comes from a good uh, football family. His, his brother is at the University of Washington now, and he was like, if they had better quarterbacking at University of Washington, he'd probably be more squarely in the mix as maybe the top tight end. It's a, it's a position that we're always, even in years where we're super excited about some of the guys who are coming out, we always, you know, to know to take it with something of a grain of salt because of how hard the transition is. And, you know, Kyle Pitts, even last year, was a, a disappointment from a fantasy perspective and where he was being selected and had a great and year. It was a historic in season. Like, yeah, yeah. In the, the rookie tight end fantasy context and just statistical context, it was an awesome year and just a, still a disappointment in the fantasy world. So always something that we're wary of, even as we're sitting there on draft day and finding reasons to get excited about these players. But hopefully we've given you some reasons to get excited about the guys who we are indeed going to be excited about a few months from now when we are looking at rookies in the fantasy football draft process. That's going to do it for this episode of the Athletic Fantasy Football Podcast. For Funston and Jake, I'm Michael Beller. Thanks so much for listening. We'll be talking to you soon.